ECU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. Welcome in to the show, Hoist the Colors on a Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. And Pirate fans, very thankful right now after last night's improbable, crazy win inside Minji's Coliseum. One of the best game-winning shots we have seen in Coliseum history as Bobby Pettiford Jr. knocks down a beyond-half-court heave to top almost a Georgia Southern. Kennesaw State, 85-84. Pirates improved to 4-2. We will get into that. And a whole lot more. We'll talk ECU football, offensive coordinator change, preview Tulsa, look at the national picture as well. And we got another Bobby in studio. Not He's not Bobby Pettiford, unfortunately, but he is Bobby Harward. How, yeah. How's it going, Bobby? Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was going to say Bobby Pettiford has a great name. Um, Absolutely. Beautiful day in Greenville today with all the rain. Um, yeah. David Tepper still ruining the Panthers, and you still have a beautiful laptop. So things are good yeah, here yeah. on Wednesday. I tell you what, if the Pirates keep winning games like this, maybe I'll just keep the laptop rolling. Keep it rolling. It's uh, I tell you what, man, Pirate Nation needed that last night, Bobby. And we'll talk football and OC change here in a little bit. But let, we'll start with basketball. It's been a tough season for football. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And basketball – Came into the year with pretty high expectations. Started pretty well, 2-0. Had two really disappointing losses back-to-back at home without Brandon Johnson. You get Brandon Johnson back, you, you beat Georgia Southern like you should, and then last night you're facing a team that wasn't in the NCAA tournament last year, Kennesaw State. Good team, maybe not as good as last year, but still a solid opponent, probably the best you've played to this point. Great game. I mean, just back and forth. There was some frustrating moments as well, but I thought just a great college basketball game. And to find a way to win like that, it was pretty incredible. It was just what Pirate Nation needed, honestly. Uh, you mentioned it. Rough basketball – or uh, what sport are we talking about? Football season. Um, but up to this point, you know, you said high expectations for basketball. We kind of all thought that they would be undefeated at this point in time. And they had a rough uh, stretch there. And finishing that that Town Bank Holiday Classic, you know, two and one instead of one and two is a big deal. And beating a tournament team from last year, uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. Talking to you off air, I took both kids. Uh, One of them was kind of running around in the top of section 216. So if you saw children running, one of those was mine. Uh, But my son was really into it and he enjoyed getting to watch a buzzard beater half court shot. And it was just a lot of fun and exciting brand of basketball. What was his reaction, if any, like when the shot went in and the crowd popped? Yeah, he was uh, on my shoulders. He was sitting on my shoulders, and I was kind of standing in the aisle because the way our seats were positioned. So I strategically picked our seats to be the very top so that the kids got have kinda, some space. <laughs> yeah. We didn't want to be around any civilized people and kind of interrupt them enjoying the game and, you know, buying, spending their money to buy a ticket to watch basketball. So we were up there. So I, I stepped down in the uh, aisle so that we could see the scoreboard and, and keep track of the time. And yeah, we just started jumping up and down him on my shoulders. He was laughing, cheering and realized after the fact, both of his shoes fell off in the process. Um, but it was a lot of fun. Um, it's really cool watching him enjoy basketball so much. Um, just a really fun game. Honestly, it was just back and forth. A lot of points were scored three point shots. Um, you know, we had some nice drives by RJ Felton and 
and some others, but it was just a really entertaining brand of basketball to watch last night. Ezra Saar and, and R.J. Felton in the second half, you could kind of feel them doing everything offensively to try and will ECU back into the game, like just putting their head down, driving to the basket, and either getting fouled or following. Like R.J., even if he misses a shot, he's going to follow it. And just, you know, th- those guys made some big plays. Jaden Walker made some big plays, got some big rebounds. And like you said, Kennesaw State, you got to give them credit. They were making threes. Their guys, once ECU started changing the defense, they were driving in. Finishing in the paint, and it looked like it was going to be a crushing loss as their guy hit the go-ahead shot. With two and a half seconds to go, but then Bobby Pettiford caught the inbounds pass from Ezra Starr. So we've gotten some requests on hearing this. Let's let's first play Patrick Johnson, uh, courtesy of ESPN Plus. He was on the call, of course, 94.3, the game zone, Patrick Johnson, and Cy Seymour on the color. Here is how it sounded when the ball from Bobby Pettiford went in. Spins up, scores with two and a half remaining. Pettiford. The heave for three. Go! Oh, he made it! Go! The Pirates win! Oh my God! All right, there it is. Patrick Johnson, Cy Seymour. I'll tell you what, Cy Seymour's seen a lot of bad basketball. I'm always happy when he can he can experience a win like that. You know, ECU is the perfect place for him because he's such an optimistic commentator no that uh, I don't know if the years of just bad basketball have worn on him. And, and <laughs> I mean, he. Kudos to him for making the game still fun as a color commentator. Uh, Casey Romaley, who joins us every week, he's following along on YouTube. He says, don't let Steven fool you with his cool demeanor. He jumped out of his seat when that happened. So, yeah, I, uh, we're way up in 213 in uh, the media perch, Bobby. You know, we, we try to keep it professional up there, although I will say we're so far away and nobody's keeping an eye on us. We can do whatever we want and nobody's going to react. But I usually stay seated, don't really react. You know, I've been doing this for too long now, and I've kind of grown numb to things. But when that happened, it was just one of those. Well, I feel like, too, like <laughs> when you play a Couldn't team like that, it. there's no media members from the other team. You know, oh, like in absolutely. football, we got to keep it professional. There's national media, people from the other team, baseball, you're still in a working environment. We're just pretty much in the stands with the crowd. We just have a thing in front of us to put our laptops, and <laughs> right. they don't. It's literally the only difference. But do not let Igo fool you, though. I'm going to build off Kaysen's point here. He might keep it calm, cool, collective during ECU games, but if you go to trivia on Wednesday nights when his team's there, he gets it all out then. Because when it, I remember the first time you guys won at trivia, I cannot repeat what you said on air, but he was pumped. We'll just put it that way. I also can't repeat what I tweeted last night, which is what I said when that shot went in. I did see that tweet, yeah. <laughs> Apologies for the language, but hey, a lot of people are thinking it. I said it. It is what it is, and, uh, you know, it was a crazy moment. Let's hear also the ECU Sports Network call. Darren Vots and Michael Perry on the call as Bobby Pettiford hits the game winner. 2.5 on the clock. Pettiford heaves. It's oh, my in! goodness, it's it. Wow, unbelievable. Bobby Pettiford wow. from past midcourt. Unbelievable. And the Pirates win the game. Wow. Michael Perry. Can't believe it. Unbelievable. It was uh, awesome, man. Just awesome moment inside Minji's Coliseum. Kaysen adding Joe Sampson, who was in attendance for 94-3, nearly jumped off the crow's nest when it happened. Uh, I feel like he's such a big human being that he could break the oh, crow's yeah. nest coming back down, too. He was hitting the table at times, too, <laughs> towards the end. It was an emotional game, man. Fun game. And 
How about also ECU being number one on Sports Center top ten? That's awesome. Yeah, uh, ECU basketball too. Not even football. I, I don't know the last time that I know. I'm sure maybe the Justin Jones Hail Mary, but right outside of that, you know, ECU basketball getting attention. I saw some Instagram stories mentioning ECU being a basketball school now. So there's a I, lot of those <laughs> for some reason. Hey, but, Town Bank Holiday Classic has top ten plays two days in a row. Put some respect on us. Let's Put go. us up there with Maui. Put us up there with Battle for Atlantis. <laughs> Where's our national TV gig here? We got two top plays. I will say this. The field, all the games were close. They were uh, good, it was, yeah. The field was at least competitive in terms of, uh, you know, within those four teams that were within the field. Yeah, they were all, I mean, they were all two, three-score games. There was also a dunk from the Northeastern and Georgia Southern game in today's top ten, too, like number eight. So really three top ten plays because you had the game winner yesterday. From or uh, the day before from Kennesaw as they beat who they beat northeast northeastern yeah so you had three in two days so maybe wow this, I didn't even know about the dunk from yesterday maybe this really awesome. is the next battle for Atlantis hey <laughs> we'll get some big teams in maybe Kansas and and Marquette can come play here in Greenville next year that the would return be return of Joe Dooley yeah <laughs> let's do it I'm sure he'll agree to that yeah, probably <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, crazy I tell you what man just. It's just a feel-good win, and I I tweeted after the game, too. Like, ECU has had a pretty bad basketball history. We all need that. But there's just something about Menchie's Coliseum on nights like that. Even when the guy hit the go-ahead shot with two and a half seconds left, like, I still felt good, maybe because I didn't have enough time to react uh, and get too down on it. But, like, there are just certain nights in Menchie's Coliseum when it just feels like the crowd, and it wasn't a big crowd, but the crowd that was there was into it. It gets it gets so loud, and it's just a fun place to watch a game. It's so funny because like it can either be the worst place to watch a game when it's not going well, or one of the best because it gets so loud so quickly. It, last night there were some moments it got loud. I, I made a joke. I, I went to the game with a friend who's an NC State fan, and uh, you know I told him it'll probably be louder than Cameron tonight. And talking about Cameron indoor, and and in all seriousness though, the design of Minge's arena is very similar to the layout of Cameron and, and capacity wise too. And I've been there a few times when it has been packed and it's loud. Wichita State was one. I remember going to see them play Clemson as a student. And I was talking to another uh, friend last night at the game and he was here back when they played Louisville and he was talking was about insane. Yeah. He said it was just everyone, I guess it was a gold out and everyone was wearing gold and just, I, it gives you hope. I mean, Mike Schwartz has been doing a great job of trying to pour in different ideas, new ideas to kind of garner interest into the program, which has been cool. Uh, I'd always wanted them to do like a Minge's Madness type thing that they did last year. They did the practice before the football game this year. They're doing a bunch of different things to try to get fans interest, trying to get students involved. And I just hope that it picks up steam because honestly, uh, after the last few games, I was really before Georgia Southern. I was like, man, here we go. It's ECU basketball. Here we again. go again. Yeah. It's like, I get excited. I'm hyped for basketball. We win the first two or three non conference games, and then we just lay a dud. And it's nice to see them bounce back. I will say this looks to be more of a talented and athletic team than we've had in years past, too, which is not very deep right now. Yeah. I mean,. I asked Coach Schwartz after the game when we were done with the interview, I was like, still nothing on Cam Hayes, and he was just like, nothing. But he did say they hope they – they sh he, he said they should know something soon. But it's, you're seeing more and more waivers come back. But if you could get Cam Hayes somehow, and I'm trying not to like get my hopes up too much, Bobby, but 
If you could add one more piece to this team, that would do a lot. That would help. That would be big time. And I don't know if you, speaking of these waivers, the same lawyer that Tez Walker's crew hired, Cincinnati hired for that basketball player, and he got granted eligibility. So I don't know if there's a donor out there that wants to hire that lawyer. I mean, regardless, there needs to be. I mean, we're three weeks. We're going into December now. Yeah, we haven't heard anything. Six games in, you're almost twenty percent done with your season, and it's just inexcusable. For me. I don't understand what the NCAA is doing. Like, is it can't take this long to go through the waiver process? Absolutely and make a not. No, I mean, you get through your football guys. So, I mean, you have these other Olympic sports, but there can't be but so many that are, you know putting in waivers for I, I think my understanding is there's just one team that does it and that gets that's what gets clogged up and if you're going to open up the portal like this and have all these scenarios hire more people to you know be on these teams or committees that need to view waivers and they're making enough money off the NCAA tournament they can afford to do it all right so ECU four and two 85 84 win over Kennesaw State they will get the next few days off from playing of course we'll still practice then they get their first road test at George Mason. George Mason, I think, is 4-1. and one. They beat a very good uh, Cornell team, lost to Charlotte in a low-scoring game, and then bounced back with a win uh, the following day. I can't remember who they beat. But they're a solid team. It's a road game. Then you get UNCW, U, uh, University of Maryland Eastern Shore, and then South Carolina, then Florida. So it is about to get very tough. Four of your next five games, Bobby, I think are – you know, tough games, and I think we most most of us hoped, expected the team to be five and one, six and zero. At this point, you're four and two. I think there's still some. You know, you're still giving up too many points. Kennesaw does play a very aggressive, fast-paced game, so they were going to score, but the defense still needs work. But honestly, the offense is. I mean, they have not scored less than seventy-six points in a game this year, so they are averaging in the high seventies or eighties, which. You know, if they can figure out the defense, I think this this team can be pretty good. That's one thing that's helped them. Somebody has been hot every game, and it's rotated. And that's kind of after the Georgia Southern game. You know, that was Quentin DeBunjay's right. coming out party. He just so hit I was 27 like, twenty-seven out of nowhere. Yeah, I'm like, okay, all right. That's the game he needed to get some confidence because if he can get about three threes a game, you know, he and contribute defensively, he still looks lost sometimes. Um, you know, we're in pretty good shape because you have a, a quality role player. You know, you're going to rely on one of your big three to score uh, and get most of your points. And, and yeah, at least somebody's going off every night to keep them in the game. Uh, you and Kaysen both had two losses and out of conference. Is that correct? Yes, I know I did. I had them I had them losing at George Mason and then I think – One like, of the SEC teams, Against right? Florida, yeah. So, I mean, y'all still could be right if we go on a run here, but they are, you know – with the exception of Maryland Eastern Shore, these four of those teams are pretty tough. Two of them SEC opponents, and then George Mason, UNCW, traditionally pretty solid in basketball. I mean, Wilmington may be down, but still, Coach Siddle has those guys, uh, you know, playing quality basketball. Um, even though they may be in a minor rebuild, I'm not quite sure what their roster looks like right now. They got a good team. They just. They got a lot of people back. They randomly lost by 30 to App State last night. I don't really know what. Like, it was just one of those head-scratching results because App's not really that good. They're solid, but it was just a weird, you know, I guess one of those Thanksgiving week tournaments. But that should be a good game. Uh, we had a question from, let's see, Grant Matthews. He says, do we see more attendance for the UNCW game or the South Carolina game? So UNCW is a Thursday night uh, this uh, next Thursday at seven o'clock, and then South Carolina is on a Saturday at noon. So, 
I'm going to say South Carolina yeah, based South upon Carolina. day and time being a Saturday noon game. You know, UNCW, it's a, a Tuesday, or is that Tuesday or Thursday? Thursday, Thursday night at 7. A little tougher for families. I know, like, for example, last night, if that game went to overtime, we probably wouldn't have been able to right. stay. And six that started at 6 o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. So, good good for the kids, but then it's hard for people coming off work to make the 6 right. o'clock. It's just, there's no great time. But, you know, a weekend at noon, a lot of people can make. Yeah. Even though it is a noon game versus, yeah, I think an ideal time would be 4 o'clock, like 2, 3, 4 o'clock on a Saturday. But, you know... ESPN Are they doing U. any giveaways? I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't see any listed, but I know the paint it purple game is the UNCW game, so maybe they give out some towels or something. For yeah, that. yeah. So we'll keep you updated. Again, some big games coming up. And uh, also we got a question from an anonymous source. He says, how dynamic was the PA announcer last night? Y'all might can guess who is sending in that source. I would say he was very dynamic. I thought his pronunciation of Bobby Pettiford was excellent. So great job, Morgan Aylers. Excellent job. I even had uh, the, the friend I went to the game with was like, that's Morgan Aylers, right? I was like, yep, that's him. He's on the call. Minji's legend. He's also seen a lot of bad basketball. Oh, like gosh. Like Seymour. So. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> bad basketball. Bad, was Morgan doing it during the um, – uh, John Thompson era? I, th- I don't know when he took over the football. I know he's been doing Minji's forever. Yeah. Football, I think he took it over. Maybe he can follow up here and let us know. But I think maybe after that. Okay. But he has been doing it a long time. Yeah. Too. No, that's awesome. That's such a fun gig, too, getting to call games. You go to games for free um, and, and call them. Um, a lot of pressure, though. I wouldn't be good at it because I know I mispronounce like Some everybody's name. Some of these name. pronunciations this year have been challenging so for the opposing teams, but doing a great job. Hey, do a volleyball game. That's bad. We play. I've done some volleyball games. There's a bunch of Eastern European girls out there. Oh, yeah. It's rough. I've botched a lot of names. Morgan said he did the last year of John Thompson. So, yes, he's seen a lot of bad football as well. Yeah. But, hey, nights last night, that's what makes it worth it, guys. I posted earlier, like, we get caught up in all this NIL crap, transfer portal crap. But, like, when the game is going on and you see it unfold like that, you forget about all that. And you just remember why we love sports. It's it's That's what college sports is about. It really is. I saw a lot of tweets from national guys quote tweeting – or Xing or whatever you call it, <laughs> quote, quote posting. This is what college basketball is about. College basketball is back, and that truly is what it, I mean. That's what it's all about. That's what we grew up. I know all of us here, the three of us, watching college basketball and loving and enjoying it. And just because the student aspect, the passion that I mean, to see how excited that team was. Um, Ezra was just astonished and put his hands on his head, and then realized everyone was in the corner and took off running. It's just a cool reaction all the way around. Yeah, the best part of those is like going back, rewatching it, and seeing everybody's different reaction mm-hmm. each time you rewatch it. That's always fun. All right, let's get a break in. We'll come back. We will transition. We will talk some college football, specifically ECU football. We will talk about the offensive coordinator change at East Carolina. We'll get Bobby's take on that and a whole lot more. This is Hoist the Colors on a Wednesday. The Pirates play here. Arr! This is Hoist the Colors Radio with Stephen Igo. It's Wednesday, Hoist the Colors. We're back here. Bobby Harward is in studio. Philip Pilkington producing. Steve and I go here, and we just talked a lot about the big win over Kennesaw State last night. The half-court shot gone viral. 
We discussed that. Wanted to give you guys a heads up. Right now on hoistacolors.net, we are running a 75% off special for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. This will carry through next Tuesday. 75% off an annual pass to Hoist the Colors. That is less than $27 for a whole year of VIP access. And I'm telling you, I was about to pick up. We just had a recruiting scoop article on HTC. We're going to continue to follow the OC search, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Obviously, we, we cover a lot here on the show, but we go even more behind the scenes online, hoistthecolors.net. So join now, the written component. You will not find a better deal. 75% off. All right, so we also got some longtime subscribers that have been with us who are probably being charged full price now. And they're like, well, what about my discount? With your fully priced subscription to Hoist the Colors, you get for free Paramount Plus which is a $60 value. If you're unsure of how to activate that for free as a member of Hoist of Colors, go to the message board. I've got a pin link at the top, and you can sign in that way and get that free $60 value as a result of being a longtime subscriber. So we appreciate the new subscribers, but definitely the, the longtime subscribers who have been with us for a for quite some time. So 75% off. That'll carry through the rest of this week and early next week. Just wanted to let you guys be aware of that. All right. And just an add-on yeah. with the Paramount Plus. That's added Showtime as well. So Showtime right. was recently. So um, Philip and Joe, y'all need to get on your subscriptions. I don't yeah, what know y'all what doing, y'all are guys? doing. Um, but a bunch of perks of being a member uh, of Hoist the Colors, not just from the ECU content, but also from a streaming side as well. You can also get the written analysis of Bobby when he when he posts something that's usually uh, well liked. <laughs> what is it like once a month? The average once a month, probably. I'm picking it up a little bit more. Um, starting not to, I uh, I've <laughs> try to be careful in what I when right. I post, but um, yeah, I'm starting to pick it up a little bit more. All right, uh, Cameron says students will be gone December 9th for the South Carolina game. I we looked at the calendar, so exams begin December sixth. On that Wednesday, Saturday will be the game. The following Wednesday is when exams end. So students, there might be a few gone, but there are also going to be some hanging around as well. So I think you'll still have a solid. And there's no exams on Saturdays at ECU. So I would expect them to uh, to at least be in attendance for that particular game before going home. And, Bobby, we had a question submitted via the, the Bobby Harwood live line. Right? Yeah, we had. I have my own personal live line, um, Jansen. Uh, Jansen Kidd texted in with a question. What school nationally, so it has to be the same school, would you want to do a home-and-home with for basketball and baseball? So the same school for both. So a home-and-home, I'm I'm assuming this is going to be like a weekend series for baseball. Yes, yep. Weekend series for baseball. Probably let's do like a Tuesday or Wednesday night basketball game. Maybe a Saturday, I guess. You, You know, one of those prime slots, not a Sunday afternoon game. So same school, basketball and baseball make it a little Gosh, bit harder. Yeah, than, I mean uh, than... uh, this is tough. I mean I'm trying to decide on the air. <sighs> Probably Clemson. Like I feel like that would be a fun. I, I would like to get them in football too, but realistically, obviously not going to happen. Yeah. If we were just picking anybody, you've got the Cliff Godwin connection with Eric Backage. I don't think they want to play each other in the, regular, in the regular season, but it'd be a fun series. And then they've come here in basketball before, but it was a long time ago. And I think that would at least be a 
a reasonable matchup for both teams. So I would go Clemson. Yeah, Clemson was the first one that came to my head based upon baseball. Watching them in the regional and host that, that looked like just an awesome atmosphere that I know I would travel to if we ever played um, Clemson. I am going to go – I'm going to go Kentucky. Uh, good too. Trying to switch it up more so from the basketball side. Obviously, uh, they're getting they're improving in baseball. I was trying to think of uh, you know someone in the SEC, but Auburn would be a fun one too. They're pretty good in both. Cameron says Tennessee, which I think oh Tennessee. That's a yeah yeah that's a good one, Cameron. Tennessee would be fun. You got the the Mike Schwartz Rick Barnes uh, connection, so you got that there, and then. The unfortunate connection to baseball is Tennessee came to the Kinston Super Regional when Cliff Govan was a player on a Keith LeClaire team and swept ECU in that Super Regional back when ECU was a national seed and uh, you know prevented them from going to Omaha. That team had Chris Burke, who I think hit like 440 that year. But uh, that would be a fun series. Yeah, I'm, sw- I'm jumping on Cameron. Tennessee? Yeah, I'm switching to Tennessee. That was a great one, Cameron. Good call. So any other submissions you guys let us know. All right, let's talk about the big news of the week, Bobby. And you were on staff with Ruff McNeil when uh, Donnie Kirkpatrick was on staff, so you know Donnie pretty well. You know, tough news uh, with the change in OC, but I, I think we all knew this was coming. I think Donnie knew it was coming. He yeah. basically said as much in his press conference. Five years in, offense not performing at all and struggling this year. Your thoughts on the decision for ECU to go in a different direction at offensive coordinator? Yeah, a uh, couple of different different angles here. Number one, just from personally knowing Donnie as a human being and just as a friend and a former colleague, like I, I, I hate it for Donnie. Um, it's it was hard for me to watch that press conference yesterday, honestly, or at least watching clips. I uh, got a little teary eyed watching it just because I know how much he cares about you know the sport, cares about ECU as a university. Um, you know, it was. And it made me reflect a little bit. When I stepped away from coaching, I had only been in it, you know, four or five years. He's poured his life, like literally his whole career, 20 plus years into it. So to knowingly kind of step away had just, I've related to him in that way and, and just knowing, you know, all the blood, sweat and tears he put into it for 20 years and leaving something he loved so much. Um, you know, he said it as much. He's already gotten some calls, so... I don't know if he'll end up taking one. I think retiring to the mountain sounds like a really good idea. Yeah. Um, but Can't blame him if he chooses that. Yeah. Much more relaxed lifestyle. I'm sure Misty uh, Kirkpatrick will be just fine with that. Absolutely. And then they get to see you know their kids more. Um, they get to enjoy watching college football because knowing him too, he just loves sports and watching sports. And uh, we would you know talk all the time about just different games, whether it was the Major League Baseball playoffs that was going on. He's obviously a big baseball fan. And the NFL, his wife Misty was a massive Redskins fan. Um, so yeah, I think they'll just enjoy life and watching sports and being fans. From the ECU perspective, um, I mean, it's it's had to happen. We knew it was happening. Donnie knew it was happening. I mean, and just talking about being able to read the room, and he said it yesterday, like, "Hey, they want blood, bloody me up." And you know, I hate hearing that, um, but. You know, that shows he's aware, they're self-aware over there of what, what's happening. It's unfortunate that, you know, it got to this point. Um, but from ECU's standpoint, a change had to be made. And he talked about it. I mean, he, because he's been in the business so long, he knows that Coach Houston was taking heat. He knows the offense was struggling. He said, look, it's my responsibility. I told Coach Houston I take full responsi- responsibility for that. And uh, I, I do think – 
you know, him and Coach Houston have a great relationship, but I'm sure, like, they were able to, you know, kind of get on each other a little bit because that's just how this business is. But they'll still have respect for one another, and Dottie still, you know, he leaves wanting to see the best for ECU. Like, I feel like most of the time when you have a change like this, when somebody basically gets fired, that's not the case. Like, you don't have a coach who's going to do a press conference after basically getting, you know, let go. And uh and so, kudos to him for standing up yeah, and absolutely. still doing the press conference as well. Absolutely, yeah, that's a good point. I think, and we could have talked to him for like forty-five minutes. We only went thirteen and a half minutes because it was kind of a, it, you know, it's kind of a weird setup, Bobby. Because like they still got to play the game. As coaches, if they're just up there reminiscing on what went wrong, I was very close to asking Donnie if you had a mulligan to go back to the off season, what would you do differently? you know, to fix this offense. But I didn't want to put him in the position where, like, well, obviously we would have brought in a quarterback and, like, right. throw those guys under the bus when they're about to go try and play a game. So maybe more of an after-the-season question. But it was kind of tough to, like, ask the big-picture stuff, and I did a little bit. But with the game, like, they're still trying to win the game. Yeah. So yep. maybe we can get them on the show after the season. Yeah. that Hopefully you got, like, a two- or three-hour time slot. Um, he's got some great stories, and he can definitely elaborate on them. That was always fun, too, in the offseason, getting him going on some stories was, was fun. He's got some good ones. He's uh, He was the uh, ace with the media. We always enjoyed talking to him. Won't be the same without him at the coordinator press conferences for sure. But I uh, definitely wish Johnny the best, and hopefully he gets a chance to sing. He said he wants to sing the fight song one more time along with the seniors, so hopefully they get that chance this Saturday, 2 o'clock against Tulsa. All right, let's get into the discussion of – we'll do this a little bit, and then we'll take a break. Um, OC going forward. First, we'll just, we'll just talk broad-based. Like, do you want to see a specific style? Do you have anything in mind that you think as far as when you look at this – because I think at this point, talking to everybody, Mike Houston will be back next year, barring something drastic. Yeah. So I think this all comes down. I don't think you make this announcement. Let him make this announcement for John Gilbert if you're going to make a head coaching change. So I'd expect Mike Houston to be back, and I think he will get the chance to fix the offense. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think he, he should. I know it's been disappointing. Um, but, again, we mentioned it last week. You, you, there's a lot of unknown when a new coach comes in and, and a lot of changes happen. and and take place and you just hope with retaining Mike Houston there's some continuity we've mentioned it before the defense was corrected special teams was corrected this is a lot bigger undertaking but you still hope history can repeat itself and offense will be corrected um, the biggest things that I'm looking for number one is play calling experience I think you have to, you can't hire a guy that's a power five position coach that has zero experience play calling so that's number one you have to have play calling experience whether that is at the FBS level, whether that's at the FCS level, it doesn't really matter to me as long as you have experience. Uh, number two is the ability to hire a staff. And who can you bring in? What are your connections within the industry that you can bring in and bring in some quality guys? Because, you know, any new offensive coordinator, especially if a year like this where, you know, it's up to you really when you're coming in, you, you want to hire your own staff and you want to have your guys in place that know your system because you don't want to be teaching the coaches that are currently in place, your system, and then have them teach the players. Especially in a year, you feel like you you probably need to win pretty quickly. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. And so having the ability to, to build a staff um, is number two. Um, and, and then lastly, number three, you know, <laughs> make sure they've scored points when they've right. called plays before. So that's pretty important. But also a kind of a low-ticket item is just – you know, what guys can they bring in on the transfer portal? What connections do they ma- they have? Um, 
you know, I know you threw out some names. You threw out Mark Leftwich from Texas State. And again, these are just names that were thrown out. They're not any insider information, so I do want to make right. that clear. Just speculation based right. on what they're making, what ECU can pay, that sort of stuff. Yeah, and and so Mark Left, Leftwich is at Texas State. Um, you know, obviously they put up some really big numbers. My hesitancy with him, he's a little bit younger. Um, I don't know who he could hire staff-wise. So that, But in terms of number-wise and calling it, they hit, they check that box. Um, they do have a quarterback there, that T.J. Finley, that's a former Auburn and LSU guy. He's still around. He's still around. So what's interesting to me, he has, he'll have two years left, but he's graduated from Auburn and then transferred to Texas State. So if, wow. let's play hypothetical. If Lechowicz gets hired, can he transfer here and play right away, or does he have to sit out a year even though he graduated at Auburn? I would think if he is graduated, I think you can transfer basically however many times you want. The JT Daniels yeah. effect? Okay. The other one, Brian Ellis at Georgia Southern, was mentioned. Uh, has great success. Um, you know, he's been with Clay Helton and, and whatnot, and that Helton family, because of Clay's brother, he was with at Western Kentucky. Um, I feel like so he's he'd, been around good offense. Right. He's been around good offensive play. He's been around enough quality coaches. I think he could build a staff. So he's been around quite a bit. Major Applewhite. Um, you know, I'm not as big of a major Applewhite fan as most people probably. Um, I do think he could probably bring in the quality staff. Travis Trickett, another one that's probably I'm not super high on, but again, his his dad is probably one of the best O-line coaches in, ever in college football. Um, so you have that to lean on. Tim he, Beck. He, he did work with Mogridge yeah, at USF. So if you're going to keep your O-line coach, which is very important to an OC, that would make you know sense. Yeah. You know, they're having three Juco offensive linemen to visit this weekend. So, And that was the other – it, it kind of uh, – caught me off guard a little bit yeah. i mean i'm glad that they have these guys they're being proactive recruiting but you know it, it's kind of hard to sell is mike houston doing most of the recruiting you yeah. know how, how's that going to work out um timothy beck was thrown out there new mexico state they have a guy that can transfer who's uh rushed for 700 yards thrown for 2400 but the guy has not left the state of new mexico so that quarterback hasn't so you know would he come along some of the other names you mentioned in the fcs i like justin roper the bells who's calling it yeah who, you gotta figure out who's making the call there whoever's calling it is who i want here <laughs> whoever's calling it is averaging 500 so, yards a game at western yeah. carolina whether it's Kerwin or cade one of the two and then trey lamb I, I do like um just style of play offensively they do a lot of that you know josh heupel stuff at tennessee and um you know he's had success the other thing that's intriguing with trey from two different angles you bring him here as the oc Mike Houston has a lot of success, which we all hope and goes elsewhere. You have a coach in waiting. Flip side, if he, we fall off the wagon again and he gets fired, you have a guy that can step in and place and take control of the program. So I like Trey Lamb from that aspect. Yeah, I'm sure there's some other names thrown around. It's going to be, you know, a busy week or so, but it will be exciting to, you know, that's, I'm excited just to see, you know, there's so many changes that are happening. There's a lot of optimism. Yeah. December is going to be crazy. I expect some, to get some names, Really, as soon as this game ends, I, I, I think there's already some names emerging, but it's they're trying to keep the focus on the game, and we'll see it uh, develop this weekend. All right, let's get a break in. We'll come back. We'll talk more about the OC, look around college football, touch on ECU Tulsa as well, and we'll do that on the other side. This is Hoist the Colors on a Wednesday. Here there be pirates. Back to Hoist the Colors with Steve and I go. How good is this? On 94.3 The Game. Welcome back into Hoist the Colors on a Wednesday. Programming note, we will have tomorrow off Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. We will be off tomorrow. We will have a show 
Friday, on Black Friday, we're, full disclosure again, going to record that today, and it will air Friday, but it'll be our normal Friday show with Joe Sampson making our game picks final previews and that sort of stuff. So if something crazy happens between now and Friday, which is always possible in the sports world, but doubtful, uh, you know, that'll be why we don't discuss it. But otherwise, it'll be as planned. All right, Cameron wants to know, as Bobby Harward is with us. By the way, Bobby today brought to us by Basil's. Check him out, Basil's Restaurant and Pizzeria, 1675 East Fire Tower Road, Greenville, North Carolina. As a sponsor, Bobby, on today's program. Great spot over by the movie theater. Good burgers, salads, pizza, pasta. They've got it all. Basil's. Check them out. Again, 1675 East Fire Tower Road in Greenville. All right. Cameron wants to know, over or under on more than 25000 at the game Saturday, ECU Tulsa. So we're going to actual announced attendance. I would say over. Actual people there are under. Yeah, I agree with that. That's probably yeah. I don't think we hit twenty five, not not with five wins combined between the two teams on a Thanksgiving weekend. The biggest issue with ECU on a week like this, so much of our fan base comes from out of town, which is great. I love that we have so many people willing to come in from out of town. But when you live in Raleigh and your wife's family is in town, her parents are in town from Buffalo for the whole weekend. And your wife does not want to go. You, wanna, to you don't want to take him to ECU football. Tulsa? Your wife doesn't want to, and happy wife, happy life. I feel like there's a lot of those situations, and her parents probably don't want to go sit out and watch bad football. Well, Bobby, are you going to convince your in-laws to go How, to ECU Tulsa? Uh, my in-laws may be more interested, yeah, in going. I will say there will probably be five Harwards in, the, in attendance. Um, there you go. I think we're taking the, the fresh newborn. Uh, we'll be late to the game, so we won't be there at kickoff um, just due to nap times and stuff with the 2 o'clock schedule. But we'll be there. Um, hopefully we're winning by the time we get into the game. Uh, that's the other thing, too, is so many, I think, of our count, what, 10,000 students. I bet there's maybe yeah. 3,000 there, maybe. I, I mean, maybe. I Probably less, probably like 1,500. Like, I think it'll just be the band. Yeah. I, you know, I don't, and I don't know how all that is calculated, like if, do they? Do all those students have to pick up the individual game tickets, and that counts towards the announced attendance, or some of that already allotted and announced either way, whether it's picked up or not? So that could have an effect on the number that is announced. But I, I just, and I, I won't blame anybody for not coming. Now it is. I will say this: it's a big recruiting weekend. We talked about it earlier. ECU is going to have a lot of commits and a lot of official visits at this game. So if you can. Obviously, get out and support the guys for senior day. That is very important. Like, Jeremy Lewis is a guy who's given five years to this program as a local kid. He deserves all that support that you can give him. Um, but at the same time, like, I understand it's a, it's a holiday weekend. It's tough. So. Yeah, that's why I hate we're going to be late because I do want to, you know, cheer on those seniors as they're walking because that's a big deal. Um, you know, a lot, especially a guy like Jeremy that was here, Scotty Moe era, and kind of – Watching switch this, positions and everything. Yeah, watching this program just build over the last few years and being a part of all of that, um, kudos to him for sticking with it and, and staying here. And same with Julius Wood. I, I know there's some others. Um, Gerald Green, are you sure you want to walk? You don't want to stay one more year? <laughs> I know, right? Give us one more year, Gerald. Just one more. Especially who knows what's going to happen with this running back room. The Maybe over, Michael Allen. Yeah, bring, in, bring him in. The Jays Rose product. He's in the portal or will be in the portal from NC State. ECU is a two and a half point favorite. The total is at forty four and a half. That's very high. 
Can Tulsa score? Tulsa can score. I was also told by a source in the industry, non-affiliated with ECU or Tulsa, that Tulsa is one of the softest teams in college football. This actually came from a betting insider who said ECU should be able to kind of push them around. I don't know what that means exactly. I haven't. Wa- I'll be honest. I have not watched a single down of Tulsa. I tried to watch their game against. I believe they played North Texas last week, and I turned it on, and then I was like, why am I watching this? And I turned it off again because there was a lot of other good quality football games on. I- I'm going in expecting the ECU to win, to be honest with you. I don't think Tulsa's great. They've been more competitive recently, though, so that yeah. does give me some concern. Uh, but I don't know. That that thanksgiving weekend road game is always hard for those teams traveling um again i referenced that marshall game we went up to and just got blasted in um it was 2014 or whatnot so you know it's always tough on those guys traveling on a weird week because even you know today or tomorrow like ecu for example they're going to be practicing and then having a thanksgiving meal together and you know when you're up at tulsa no students are really around and just empty Tulsa's kind of empty anyways, but even more empty now on Thanksgiving. Is there any difference at all between 2-10 and and 3-9 and in your opinion? Yeah, not having double digits in the loss column, I think. Uh, Just from viewing it on a sheet of paper um, really is the the biggest difference. And just ending the year on a positive note, especially as as difficult of a year this has been, you'd hope, you know, now that the guys know that Donnie's definitely not back, you hope they kind of rally around him. You know, you want to send those seniors. Those seniors want to remember that last game as a victory. Like, more likely than not, they're going to remember senior day, and they're going to remember any, you know, big moments that are in the stadium. So, But they're regardless, they're going to remember senior day. A few things. Uh, we'll talk, talk first about the American picture. Uh, UTSA is at Tulane, and the winner of this game will go to the conference championship. And then SMU – host Navy I think SMU more than I don't know what happens if let's say Navy somehow beats SMU and then one of these teams I don't know if they can surpass SMU because there's no head-to-head with SMU UTSA at Tulane in other words SMU has a free trip to the title game if they just take care of business against Navy at home so more than likely you're looking at SMU versus the winner of UTSA and Tulane does that intrigue you at all as in the title game or this like, weekend slate? I guess both. Yeah, this weekend slate does. I Probably more so the UTSA-Tulane game, more so than the SMU-Navy game. I hope Navy shellacks them, and I wish some way, shape, or form UTSA and Tulane could tie because I've mentioned numerous times I despise SMU. And, and, you know, hopefully there is a way because, you know, hearing on the broadcast, if SMU wins, they're a shoe-in regardless. But if they lose, I think there is a chance. Um, the title game... Yeah, I, I'm intrigued. Uh, any conference title game, normally I, I try to watch, but especially, you know, when the ECU is in, I do try to, you know, I, I was joking on North Texas and Tulsa, but the reason I put those games on is, you know, I do try to keep up and monitor, you know, what's happening with our conference mates. And, um, yeah, SMU, unfortunately, is probably one of the least um, attractive teams to me in the conference, but I'll be rooting for whoever wins that UTSA two-lane game. All right, let's get our final break in. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about the college football slate and more to wrap up the show. This is Hoist the Colors. Great day. Right, let's go. Back to Hoist the Colors with Stephen Iko. Welcome back in. A few minutes left on this Wednesday edition of Hoist the Colors. Bobby Harward is in studio. Philip Pilkington producing. And 
We were talking about the college football slate, Bobby. Got a few minutes left here. Ohio State, Michigan. Is that appointment TV viewing for you this Saturday, 12 noon kickoff? Yeah, I'll be watching that one. That was kind of the the one game that I had highlighted outside of the you know the ECU game to watch. Um, just two top five teams playing. Who, whoever wins that game is obviously representing the Big Ten and got national title. You know, in the brink there. Do you are you anti Michigan at this point with all this stuff going on? Or are you just kind of just whatever? Not in this game particularly because I just like Ohio State's one of my least favorite. Who likes teams. Ohio yeah. State outside of Ohio State fans? I, I, uh, exactly. I mean, I don't think anybody. You I, guys think it's bad? Grow up in a big city where you have everyone move from Ohio. I went like seven straight years of having at least one teacher who went to Ohio State. It was so bad, Grow Up Patrol. I hate Ohio seven State. straight years. Yeah, like <laughs> I like. They literally have to play Carolina for me to pull for them. Charlotte, yeah. Charlotte is like the new Cleveland, huh? New Columbus, new Cleveland, I don't know, Cincinnati. (laughs) Just pick a city. Yeah. But I just don't know if I can pull for Michigan. I usually pull for Michigan in this game. I don't think I can do it because I've never seen a team that voluntarily cheated and is trying to play the victim card after getting caught. Like, it is just so stupid. Free Harbaugh. Why should we free Harbaugh when he cheated? There's no way all that stuff goes on and Jim Harbaugh doesn't know about it. Well, and there's a reason Michigan backed off the lawsuit that they 100%. Were, I mean, and that it's not just once they've cheated. I mean, it's multiple things. They're repetitive. Uh, I mean, they're frequent flyers and cheating. I'm with you. This is the only Big Ten game I watch a year, and I just want a good football <laughs> game. So you don't want to turn around and watch uh, next week's Iowa Versus winner of this game. <laughs> what a joke. The whole Big Ten is just so screwed up because everybody's loaded in one side of the division. And then you got Rutgers and Maryland that just get a free tag along to, you know, whenever the conferences adjust again. And yeah, it's just the Big Ten's embarrassing. You've also got UNC and NC State Saturday. And I'll tell you what, Dave Dorn, I know a lot of Pirate fans don't like him. I know Joe Sampson doesn't like him. You got to give him credit, man. He consistently puts together. A good, not great team. And, again, they're ranked. They've had some good wins this year. They're one of four teams that have won eight games the last, what, four or five years. It's Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame, and NC State. And, you know, I was dead wrong on Dave Dorn. I had said when he got interest in the Tennessee job, I told my NC State fans, I said, you better hope he takes that job because otherwise, you know, you're going to be stuck with him. But it's a good thing they were stuck with him because he's, he's done a heck of a job. Coaching is so weird because, like, still, though, he's been there so long. If he has one bad year – Fans yeah. would get tired of them and want to fire them, you know? It's like you just got to pick the right time to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's all. It's very uh, a timely business. Uh, maybe they'll bring back Chuck Amato or something. Let's hope so. The sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. Ahead of the 2025 ECU return to, to Raleigh, and Pirates can get a W in that one against Chuck. All right, this was fun. Bobby, thanks for coming in. Have a happy Thanksgiving, man. Yep, you as well. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to all the listeners out there. Philip, have a happy Thanksgiving. You know we're about to record another show prior to Thanksgiving, but this will be our last official show before yeah, Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Enjoyed it. Everybody uh, eat well tomorrow. No doubt. Enjoy some football. Enjoy some turkey. We will be back with you again Friday at 12 noon with our weekly Friday show, Football Friday edition of the show where we make our picks. See you then. 
This has been Hoist the Collars with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Collars on 943 The Game. Fussle, four generations.